0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Mailbag Wednesday. Which Vikings skill player takes the biggest jump in 2023? That and plenty more with Reggie and Luke next. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. What is up everybody? A Wednesday morning. Happy March. It's the Minnesota football party once again. I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom of the Ron Johnson Show in Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Reggie Wilson, our Wednesday regular Care 11 sports director, is back from the sun of Fort Myers. And he joins us today in the snow of Minnesota to answer some Vikings questions. Good to see you, Reggie and Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman of Locked On Sports Minnesota as well. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And as always, you can find Locked On Sports Minnesota not just on YouTube, where you can subscribe for free, not just on podcasts, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, but we're also available on the Amazon Fire Stick and Roku devices. Find the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Um, comment below, folks. What do you think about the Minnesota Vikings going into the month of March? What big decisions are they going to make? Uh, what move do you expect? to come first leave a comment down below if you're watching on youtube all right reggie all right luke let's get into these questions right away let's start with a fun one kind of a tough one from devin Rubink. we appreciate the questions everybody um reggie you can go first would you rather have five consecutive years of earning the number one overall pick or five straight years of losing in the conference championship game a cruel question from Devin, what do you think?
1: You know what? What is up with these questions? Week after week, man, we got some real sickos out there. Like, I just – why why do they want this misery like this? I, I guess if you look at it from one way, you're like, okay, if they go to five straight conference championships championship game, games, that means that they are – Relevant enough, good enough, but then if they're losing them every year, it's like okay, all right, this is getting old. And then also, if you're going to five straight, you know, number one picks in the draft, how bad is this team? Like, you probably have to get rid of the coaches at this point because they're not developing. Yeah, like what? Like, why do you keep like being so terrible that you keep getting these number one overall picks? Like. They're both kind of like a lose lose, but I guess if I had to pick one, maybe just the five straight conference championship games, just because like you're in it each and every time. But like at a certain point, you're just like, okay, we want to get to the Super Bowl. We want to actually win it. Why do we keep losing in the conference championship game? It just dude, this is just a really cruel question. I don't. I don't appreciate that. What? Who? What's his name? Who is it from? i have to like, tweet at him, and and tell him that he's a real sicko. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Luke, I feel like you would you would like the uh, five. Overall, for or five straight number you one. You know I would, because you're such a draft
2: guy. You know I would. I'm trying to manipulate and tweak this somehow, and thinking, okay, well, I know what he means. So we're dead last every year. We earn the first pick, but what if earn the first pick meant maybe I keep trading that first pick every year back and back and just stockpile. I get a king's ransom and get the following year's first round pick or first overall pick as well. So I get it. I'm with Reggie. Sick question. Not how I want to start my day. Not how I want to start this show. I think I know what the Wilfs and the owners want. They want to at least have some success every year and mm-hmm. go to a conference championship, sell some tickets, have some fun along the way. I think back to, you know, let's think. Okay, the Chiefs have been to what? Four or five straight AFC championships. I know the Patriots did that for eight out of nine straight years. That was a crazy run. Didn't the Eagles with Donovan McNabb and T.O. make it to four straight? Went to one Super Bowl but didn't win it. They lost mm-hmm. to the Patriots. So you go back and you ask Eagles fans, like, it was still fun. We had four. Fun. It was successful. But yeah, it's just quite the tease to be that good year after year consistently and obviously never host the Lombardi. But yeah, as a draft guy, I'm telling you, having those number one picks. Even if I'm just trading them back every year, just stockpiling a King's Ransom to a point where in like six, seven years I have half the first-round picks I can play with and build a superstar team, an all-star team, that sounds fun and tempting. And I think I got to go with the straight conference championships, though.
1: Yeah. Luke, I, you're a real sicko, too. I'm sick, man. man. I'm a sick puppy in here. It's a right. But you know what? Talk to Danny Ainge. Just see how that works.
2: Yeah, true. Danny. Danny knows. Did.
0: Yeah, Jazz have the best of both worlds. They've got two... Billion picks and they're still competitive. Like the, the haul they took from Minnesota just made them too good. They can't even lose when they want to. Um, The, the months of November and December would be such a drudgery. It would not be worth the excitement of the number one overall pick. It would not like the journey is fun. The regular season journey is fun when you're winning. Uh, If you put yourself in those situations, good things happen. So, Disappointing, yes, but not worth
2: the apathy that would set in, I think, of having a bad team five consecutive years. When you look back at the history, the last 10, 15 first overall picks – There's not a lot of sure things that we, at the time during draft weekend, we always assume this guy's going to be the savior to that franchise. You know, there's the Joe Burrows and guys like that for sure. And it is the number one overall pick. So you would think more times than not, that guy is going to be not just good, but a superstar, possibly Hall of Fame type of player. But there's plenty of times in there, too. Eric Fisher, Javion Clowney, Kyler Murray. I mean, there's tons of them, Baker Mayfield, that don't really pan out. So, obviously, in a perfect world, yeah, I'll take the number one overall pick if that's an option, but it's not as sure of a thing as we always assume when we're sitting there on draft weekend.
0: Right. This isn't the NBA where if you had mm-hmm. five straight number one overall picks, you probably find your franchise guy in there. You know, at some point, yeah. you would find your Anthony Edwards. Um, And that can change the franchise's trajectory, not in the NFL, unless it's a QB, unless it's a QB that is Mahomesian, um, that could maybe do it. But a lot of times if it's not a a QB, and even if it is, some of them haven't been uh, necessarily hits. Next question from Peter, P-T-U-R, Peter. Um, When do you predict roster cuts player extensions will begin? I think, Reggie, are we waiting for the Cousins domino? Like, is that the first move that needs to be made for all the other moves to fall into place? Or do you think that that kind of gets reserved for later in the process? What, what do you think is going to happen first year?
1: Yeah, I think they have to, right? I'm on a Spo track, and, you know, they're, they're pretty much like the cap gurus. Mm-hmm. Kirk has the highest cap hit of any player on the team. I mean naturally he's the quarterback. But it's just kind of crazy base salary of 10 million, 6.25 million signing bonus, a 20 million dollar roster bonus. He has a cap hit of thirty six million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
2: It's not only in first place, it's like almost double the next yeah. top three guys. Thielen, yes. Brian O'Neill, Thielen, Thielen number two, I assume. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah, Thielen's number two. His cap hit is nineteen point nine million, nearly twenty million. But you're looking at cousins like sixteen million more than him. Cousins dead cap hit is forty eight point <laughs> seven five million dollars. Like, you you have to figure out this thing. Like, you know, last year they they gave him the, you know, short-term extension, kicked him down the road. Also, going into this year, you don't want Kirk Cousins to be like this lame duck quarterback. You know, it worked well for Joe Flacco. He took the Ravens to the Super Bowl and he got paid, had just an incredible run in the postseason and, and parlayed that into some big money for himself until – uh, Lamar Jackson came along, and you know maybe maybe Kirk can do something similar. I don't know. You know if he's not checking it down. You know when the game is on the line. But I, I think you have to figure out what's going on with him because he's going to kind of be your key there to kind of finding some money. I looked at you know uh, the the new league year starts on March fifteenth, and the Vikings are. Negative $23 million in the cap hole. So, like, they got some work to do to get underneath that cap. And, I mean, not just get underneath the cap, but, like, they got to get underneath the cap so that they can still improve the team. Quasey said all these different scenarios are on the table when he talked yesterday. He's, you know, talking through everything. I know a lot of people were, you know, kind of overanalyzing the fact that when he mentioned linebackers, he didn't mention Kendrick's. And, uh, you know, that that whole thing, he didn't mention the two starting linebackers from last year. But he's got some decisions to make. But like as far as improving the roster other than the draft, like if he wants to sign some free agents or, you know, things like that, like there are some significant things that he has to do to get underneath the cap. And I think it starts with Kirk.
2: And two, just to that point, you know, we talk about this extension. Is it going to be a long term? Is it going? To, are they going to run it back? The problem with the one year extensions over and over and over again for me, and and we touched on this a few days ago, Sam. But we all know Kirk is who he is, right? We all know with the right surroundings, who he can be, he can deliver big plays, run the offense efficiently. Most importantly, he can win you ball games, which can't be overlooked. But when the pocket isn't clean or the scene isn't picture perfect, he does struggle. He dips into that level of kind of mediocrity. So the. Issue becomes when you run back these extensions just year by year, you're never really taking advantage of the value you get in these long-term deals those first few seasons. Like Zedarius Smith if you remember just for example, he signs that 3-year deal when he gets here. Well, the first year last season his base salary was only 3 million and change. I mean, that's chump change. Now this season it jumps to 15 and then 22. So these long-term deals are almost always backloaded so you can really build yourself a window that first year or two and use all this extra money elsewhere. And so Kirk, we know he needs this supporting cast around him. With the long-term deal that first year or two, now at least there's money left over to build a team. And when you're extending them year by year, and I'm not talking about like an insane difference, I don't think. I mean, I could pull up some different examples we can look, but I'm talking about $7, $10, 12000000 million difference in savings about. But now that's the difference, though, of you know a stud cornerback and free agency or an upgrade at center, interior guard, maybe another legitimate weapon in the passing game. Those aren't luxuries for Kirk Cousins. Those are necessities if you want him to play at that level that you know he can be at. And that's why when that report came out, when we heard, okay, they're either going to let him ride out that final year or they're going to sign him to a long-term deal. I was kind of happy because even though I'm in the camp that I kind of want to draft a quarterback and run one, get the succession plan in place now, if they do commit to Kirk, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world when you think about the other options out there, then a long-term deal makes the most sense from a team-building standpoint, given the price break and just the savings early on that will allow quasi to at least add some more talent around him. So I think if you're going to do it, you just got to do it. You just got to commit. You got to go all in. If you like him enough for one or two more years, you probably like him enough for three or maybe even four. Sign him that long-term deal so you can save the extra cap space. Hope that you can build off, you know, the success from last year, 13 wins. Just grow and get better each season under KO see but yeah it's 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 going to be interesting and I think you're right Sam like he has got to be the first domino to fall before we get to the Dalvin Cook decision Dalvin Tomlinson what they're going to do with Eric Kendricks and some of these other big contracts I think they need to figure out what's going on with Kirk Cousins first and foremost
0: seems very fluid to me um and I think that Mm -hmm. the the very first domino might even be this combine because if the Vikings are deciding between long-term or succession plan um they kind of need to go through the combine and talk to these quarterbacks, and figure out if they actually like anyone. Because if they do, that might change negotiations. And if they don't, that also might change things with Kirk. Um, So they have to see if there's actually a a possibility to replace Kirk Cousins in the near future. For reference, Luke, reading back to his one-year extension last year, that saved $14 million against the cap. So... Let's assume that that's the case again this year. That if they just did a one year deal, be about 14 million in savings. It's not bad. But to your point, if it is like a three year deal, you wonder what that number could become Mm -hmm. in savings. Could it be 25 Mm -hmm. or upwards of that? And if it is like 25, well, that, Reggie, that's the whole cap deficit right there. That gets you suddenly under the cap, handful of other moves, and you've got some money to play with. So a lot of options on the table. Um,
2: Now, if he was a team first guy... At this point in his career, being you know on the top 10 all-time in career earnings when it comes to just guaranteed money, if you want to make the fans that are on the fence really get behind him, then maybe pulling a, you know, a little Tom Brady taking a team-friendly deal, knowing full well that it's the only for sure way he can be quarterbacking the best team possible. Hey, help your team out. I'll surround you with a better offensive line, a better defense, things like that. But if I know Kirk like I think I do, I'm not holding my breath on that one. That would be nice, I, though.
0: I don't think Kirk has a trainer that can, uh, they can funnel money through, because that, that might have been going on in New England, too. Uh, before we move on, talking about what if they just tear down this defense? I tell people that we are presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book, and an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, T-Wolves covering the spread last night against the L.A. Clippers as they move to 32 and 32. You can get in on the action at FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you're a new customer, try out the No Sweat First Bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, download the easy to use FanDuel app where you can stack your bets in a same-game parlay, get your winnings instantly after you hit. You can put together some really fun props on the NBA as the season comes down the stretch. Fanduel.com slash locked on for up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet goes amiss. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of Locked On. Uh, I was plumbing the YouTube comments, guys, and I came across this from Boyd, and I want to get your thoughts on it. A 31st-ranked defense doesn't have any studs. Cut everyone making over $10 million. Okay, let's play it out. Let's play it out, the tear-down-the-defense path. So that would mean letting Tomlinson walk. That would mean trading Daniil Hunter, probably releasing or trading Z'Darrius Smith, whichever way you want to go. Um, Harrison Smith, gone. Save about $6 million and Eric Hendricks, gone save about 9 million. So by my calculations, I mean, you're saving boy, if you trade those defensive ends, we're talking 40, 50 million dollars in savings. Uh, there's a lot of money on the table there. Um what what would happen if the Vikings went scorched earth on the defense Luke Inman.
2: This is what I struggle with. I mean, and I get the frustration, boy. Trust me, I really do. But you got to you got to be careful getting too cut crazy and then you show up to OTAs, you look around, there's no one left. I mean, unless the plan is Pulling a Chicago Bears and tearing the whole thing down and committing. You can't just do it on defense, can you? But do they want to do that coming off a 13-win season and knowing you got Kirk Cousins and J.J. in his prime? They're both coming back again? That's why I just can't see that happening. They want to be competitive now. They feel like they have a small window before it's too late, before these guys get too old and over the hill. For me... I got to show up to training camp with at least a core of guys, some sort of nucleus of guys on the roster as a coach I can rely on just to run the defense at minimum. Zodarius, Hunter, Harry, Tomlinson. I mean, I need a handful of them just to play professional football here at the level that fans desire. So I understand the frustration. I agree. Some of these guys. They do have to restructure or hit the road because it's a business, too, at the end of the day. But because the offense, it's hitting its stride, and you can kind of foreshadow in the next year or two what it might look like. J.J., a couple more years under his belt. Maybe K.J. Osborne's still around. They draft another receiver. You got two young bookend tackles. It just makes it really tough. It's like a push and pull here. Pick your poison. I don't think you can have both here. So if you tear the whole thing down on defense, do you got to commit and tear the offense down, too? I mean, what does that look like then? Now what are we getting at?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. And, and I'll kick it over to you, Reggie, too. I, I think that the one, the stipulation, though, would be if you get rid of all of them, then you, you've you got all this money, right? You're loaded. um, And you could reinvest that maybe in younger players, cheaper players, or players that fit your system a little bit better now that you have Brian Flores. But, Reggie, what do you think?
1: Man, that's, that's really tough uh, to Luke's point because I feel like if they do that, that would just really kind of crater the, the team and their success. Sam, you and I were there when Kwesi and KO had the presser and KO talked about, hey, everything we do moving forward, I'm asking the question, is this championship level? Like, we have championship expectations. And if you tear down the defense, like, I do understand there are some guys that are really making a lot of money on that side. And with them having the cap trouble that they have, some decisions have to be made. But, like, there are still some really, really good football players on that side of the ball. And I don't know if tearing it down is necessarily the the answer there. You know, people say, oh, maybe Kendricks is taking a step back. You know, maybe, you know, they could find better production or similar production that they found with Jordan Hicks, and Jordan Hicks was outstanding at times this past season. And that's just tough, man. You know, Kweisi mentioned Troy Dye and Brian (laughs) Asamoah yesterday, and he didn't mention Kendricks or, or Hicks, and people were just going crazy about that. Like, oh, man, what is he saying? What is he telling us? And I, I don't think it was like an intentional omission. I think I think I I was kind of reading in between the lines there, and I was kind of seeing that he was kind of talking about the team and talking about the defense in terms of already having those guys in tow. And he was talking about, you know, some of the other guys who can like step up and, and play a, a bigger role moving forward. But he does have a lot of decisions to make, but like you think about it. You know, as you said, Sam, you would trade away Hunter. You you trade or cut Zadarius, Harry, who had a pretty productive season last year. You let P2 just, you know, walk. He's a free agent. You know, you 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 get rid of Kendricks and Hicks and you just start over. Luke, I know you're a big draft guy, but there are only so many moves that they can make mm-hmm. to improve that defense through the draft. You, you think maybe top 3 rounds you you mm-hmm. may find some guys who could step up and maybe play some significant time on that defense, but then, you know, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th round picks, you're you're looking at them to to kind of fill the gap and they need time to develop. Maybe they're not ready yet.
2: Crap shoot. Yeah.
1: I I guess I need a little bit more context behind the question because then it's like, okay, if they do tear down the defense, they do save a lot of money um, with the cap. So are they going out and signing other guys?
2: Right. That's my thing, too. Like, my golden rule is I think the blueprint in the NFL, you build through the draft. If you're going to tear everything down, I want to build through the draft. So. All right, we got all this money. We cleared it up. I'm fine with dumping it back into core guys like Justin Jefferson's extension, TJ Hawkinson extension, re-signing some core guys. Maybe you go sign one free agent or two, but if I'm just taking all that money I just saved and just dumping it right back into free agency to build my defense back up again, where am I at when it's all said and done? Am I any better than, all right, so I replaced Darius Smith with Justin Houston, and I saved... 1.5 million? like You know what I mean? You do that times four or five different positions. It, learning I think a it's, new
1: defense, too.
2: Yeah, learning a new defense, too. I think it's tough to feel very confident that I came out way ahead when it's all said and done, and the dust settles after something like that.
0: He, here's my hybrid solution to this. I think that you are fine if you tear down the secondary and linebacking core. I think you can survive with Scene filling in, asamoa filling in, um, draft a cornerback I think that you continue to bolster though your defensive line because I th- I honestly think that was the, th- the strength of the three levels of your defense last year player for player and even their depth pieces performed well um, I thought that Phillips Tomlinson Z Smith Daniil Hunter really solid starting group and then even someone like Tonga backing up Um, DJ Wanam and Patrick Jones still leave a little something to be desired, but they're fine as rotational pieces. I like the defensive line. So if you buy into that and save money everywhere else on the defense, maybe that's like a midway point versus going scorched earth, tearing it all down. Focus on the pass rush. Keep that strong. Make that your strength and then figure everything out elsewhere. Um, That's my two cents on it.
2: This is a huge year. This is a huge offseason for Kwesi. I think a lot of people are a little maybe confused or frustrated at his kind of game plan last year, maybe specifically during the draft. You talk about that big trade down, not taking Kyle Hamilton, if you're going to take a safety anyways, not getting future picks when you trade down from 12 to 32. A lot of head scratchers. A lot of people thought maybe the seat's a little bit too big for this guy, at least in year one. But I also feel like after they won 13 games, a lot of people gave him a free pass, but now this offseason, I think there's a lot of pressure on him again to see if he can turn things around, I think, from just a team building standpoint. And he's got a tough, tough ask right now. This is not an easy position to be in, but this is going to be kind of the foundation when you look back in two, three, four years where this team stands is going to be this off season and the moves and decisions he decides to make. So there's a lot of pressure on him. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I think, again, when we look back in a couple of years, we're going to look back at this offseason specifically to see what unfolded over the next following few years.
0: Yeah, and we'll find out pretty soon how he did in last year's draft, right? because we really don't know yet. We've got no idea how that 2022 draft
2: class is going to turn out. I still out. think there's some potential there. I really do. Injuries I do decimated them. Injuries I'm, decimated yep. them. But, you know, Reggie brought up a great point. Like, usually on day three, you're throwing darts up on the board. It's a crapshoot. To get guys like maybe Ty Chandler looked and flashed a little bit, we'll see in another year or two. A Caleb Evans outside of the concussions flashed a little bit in that Washington game. Brian Asamo obviously, a fourth-round pick. He's going to be starting. And then the starters, too. Guys like Ed Ingram, if he progresses, a little bit. And then Andrew Booth and Louis Seen, we have no idea what they look like so the jury's still out. So I think there's still a lot of potential there. And you're right, Sam. You can't grade these drafts until three, four years down the road. Um, Most likely offensive
0: skill players to
2: improve. First, I'm going
0: to tell you that Built Bar is delicious. It's made with 100% real chocolate. And it's accessible now. You can get Built Bars by going in store to Walmart, to Sam's Club, or online at built.com with the promo code locked on 15 for 15% off. What makes built so great? It's good and it's good for you. 17 grams of protein, only four grams of sugar. The flavors, the taste amazing. Peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. You gotta load up on built bars as we move now into the spring. You're gonna be outside more, working up a sweat, maybe. You got to refuel with built bars. And again, don't wait around to get a box in the mail. You can go in-store. Go to the pharmacy section Walmart, Sam's Club. Get a four-bar box, a 13-bar box, and get some built Bars today. A delicious treat without the fat and calories. All right, gents. We move on to, to the offensive side of the ball where Jacob wants to know an offensive skill player you think will take a step forward next year. Reggie, your nominee.
1: I guess it's kind of weird to say because I think the the tough part is like who is gonna be there with all these questions you know regarding like you know Cook, Madison you know are they gonna be there next year like it it just kind of brings you to like guys who you already know about but you know like I think, um, in his continual progression, you know, I'll go, I don't know. I'll go KJ Osborne. I mean, he, he flashed already. He kind of demonstrated that he was going to be a guy who could be dependable in that offense. If he continues to ascend in the way that I think he can, I think, you know, last year I was kind of banking on him being a thousand yard receiver. I still think that he can get there. Um, that's my guy, but I just feel like, you know, there's not a whole lot, you know, maybe you can think of a guy like kane in the offense, or you could think of like Ty Chandler or something like that. If Madison is gone, if Cook is gone, but I, I just don't know. That was, it was an interesting comment yesterday. I think uh, Cook's agent, Zach Hiller, um, put on Instagram, his Instagram story, kind of criticizing uh, Kevin O'Connell's, play calling and ability to get the ball to Dalvin in good situations to set him up to be a, you know, productive back. Cause Sam, you and I kind of talked about this on one of these episodes in the past. You yeah. don't believe that um, cook was as productive and the numbers kind of show that he wasn't as productive this year than he has been in years mm-hmm. past. And we saw that with a lot of like plays where he got the ball and he's getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage before he can really even get going. And so, you know, maybe you think about a guy like some of the other running backs that are going to be in the room. Maybe those guys step up. But I feel like the safe choice and, you know, I know it's not I know it's not popular in the hot take world, but the safe choice for me, I think, is um, K.J. Osborne.
2: I, I think Reggie stole both Sam and I's because I know Sam was going to take Ken A. K- Sam's a big Ken A. guy. He's on that Ken A. train. And I, I'm with you, Sam. I think both those running backs – I'm excited to see what the future of Vikings backfield looks like with Kenny and Ty Chandler. I also think I agree with Reggie. I think KJ Osborne, especially if Adam Thielen's not there next year, what he showed last year. Listen, this is an offensive team first. This is KOC run. That's his bread and butter. That's his baby. I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball, some skill position players to see what KOC and his coaching staff can do to develop and progress some of these guys over the next few years. I think KJ Osborne flashed enough to where he could solidify himself as a solid number two wideout in the league, which when you go back just two training camps ago, when it seemed like he was still kind of fighting for a job as a kick returner, punt returner, we've came a long way from the sixth round pick from Miami. So Good on him. And again, Ken A and Ty just excited to see what they do. One more, Ed Ingram. I know he struggled. I know his bads were really bad, but he also flashed quite a bit when he was on. He was a road grader in the running game, and I'm encouraged by what Chris Cooper has done with the offensive line the first year as the offensive line coach for the Vikings. and I just think if they felt so confident and highly to invest a second round pick on a guard, then they obviously believe in this guy quite a bit. And we see how much guys can improve from you year one to year two in the NFL, just in general, any position, because it's a lot for any rookie to come in, be named a starter week one and start every game from there on out. It's a lot. It's a gauntlet. I think he's going to come back with the right head on his shoulders, just mentally from a football IQ standpoint, he's going to know and understand a lot more about the offense. I'm excited to see Ed Ingram in year two. I think there's still some room for encouragement there. I know some people want to write him off already and say, ah, they need to draft another guard here this year. I'm pumping the brakes on that one. I want to see what uh, we got with Ed Ingram in year two. I'm excited about that.
0: Appreciate you guys. Um, you know, mentioning every single player <laughs> and leaving me a lot of material here. A couple, couple you didn't name. And uh, again, most of these names, like the skill players on offense, are guys that just didn't do anything. So there's really nowhere to go but up. Like for someone like Ken A and Ty Chandler, we haven't seen them given the opportunity yet. So I think there's a lot of potential. For growth, and I think the same would apply for someone like Jalen Naylor. If if Thielen is gone, then Osborne moves up the ladder, as does I think Jalen Naylor. I think of all the in-house options, I think he becomes wide receiver three. Now that that doesn't mean they won't draft someone. That doesn't mean they wouldn't bring in a free agent. So that's not a guarantee. But I think that he could take a big step forward because they like him. And then at tight end, you're filling in for Irv Smith Jr. Uh, I believe Johnny Muntz a free agent too. Nick Muse, Nick Muse, another crazy draft pick who um, I want to say was, was practice squad throughout the year. Nick Muse is someone that could kind of backfill, but we just don't know. Like there's not, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest for any of these guys that they're going to take a big step forward, except for KJ. That's why KJ is the obvious answer because we've seen what he can do. Okay. Now give him an Adam Thielen size, you know, work workload. Then we might really see some serious results. With KJ Osborne, who I discovered
2: before anybody else, I'm gonna I'm you gonna proclaim
0: it until my dying day.
2: You planted um, your flag in that two training camps ago. I remember yep. Sam. I was there. Yeah. Brian Asamoah needs to be at least mentioned. I think we're all almost overlooking him. We're we're yeah. almost. We're, we're talking we've...
0: offense. We're talking offense. Oh, though, sorry, but... it's just
2: offense. Okay. Yeah, um, well, I'm still <laughs> mentioning Brian Asamoah. So,
0: forget it. <laughs> yeah. No, for the record, for the record, you said mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You said it. Maybe on offense. Maybe he can be the sneaky. Yeah. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, Wildcat. Tight end too. Figure it out. Um, well, he's got Dalvin Cook's old number. I'm sure there's some mojo in that no, 33. There you go. I did want to get your take, Luke, on this other YouTube comment about Jack Campbell. Big Iowa linebacker. Really good college player. He's Matthew's biggest draft crush. Um, he thinks that an Asamoa Campbell pairing gives you the best of both worlds as far as their their strengths. What do you think about that?
2: You know, we've mentioned this a few draft episodes on Tuesdays. Check those out. Go back and view those if you haven't already. Every year, a few of these old-school, like, blue-collar linebackers that maybe don't blaze in the 40 or crush the combine – Always fall into the second, third, fourth round, it feels like. Campbell feels like that guy this year. Buckus Award winner for nation's best linebacker. Played in that tough, hard-nosed, cold Big Ten his whole career. Was an outstanding wrap-up tackler. And here's the thing about Campbell, too, when I watched him. His peaks or his highs maybe aren't as flashy as some other top linebackers like Trenton Simpson from Clemson. But game in and game out, play in and play out, He's about the most consistent linebacker I've watched so far. And you'll be hard-pressed to find one bad game from Campbell, let alone one bad drive where he looks lost or, you know, isn't in total control of the checks and calls of the entire defense. So, he's this blue-collar, black and blue leader. I don't know why these guys fall every year like they do. It's a little weird, but someone's getting a plug-and-play day-one starter that projects to be, you know, a 100-tackle a year kind of guy for the next 6-7 years. Maybe he's never a Pro Bowler. Or you know on the Sports Center top ten plays every Sunday night, but if you're building a team just for the value where you can get him, he's a great pick anywhere past the top fifty picks in my opinion. So I would love to pair him up with the speed and explosiveness of Osamoa because I feel like they will complement one another really well. And we'll see what he does at the combine too here this week because for good or bad, that's going to move all these guys' draft stock around quite a bit and probably more than it should. I mean, I really think 80 90 percent of your evaluations need to come from the tape, but the combine is always a good measuring tool if you got two guys kind of equally compared in rank so we'll see how jack campbell does at the combine too
0: maybe i'm just a little bit um scarred from big iowa middle linebackers who get burned in pass coverage but i just keep thinking of of like back half of chad greenway's career getting paired up against those those speedier pass catchers I, i feel like pass coverage would be the red flag on Campbell. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I just know. I know his stats weren't great in that area.
2: Well, and I think too, that's why you got Asamoah. That's where you lean on Asamoah. Mm. I think a little bit more. You're right. I mean, he, there's a reason he's fallen to the late second third round, something like that. And by the way, unless the Vikings trade back in the first round, get an extra late second or early third. I don't think he's there at pick 88 when they come back around with their third round pick, but that's why I think they complement each other pretty well. But you're right. If there was one red flag, maybe it is in pass coverage still early in the eval we got two months to go mm-hmm. i still need to watch a little bit more tape on him but i'll get back to you on that pass coverage skill set you bet um we're watching
0: for koc quotes i believe he talks at the combine today that's something we'll address tomorrow on the football party also quasi did a sit down side interview yesterday still got to read through the quotes on that and uh we'll talk about that as well as the week presses on on the minnesota football party reggie thanks for joining us man it's always a pleasure
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do it again. How about
0: that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it next week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman, draft aficionado, draft newsletter author here at Locked On. Make sure to check that out. Reggie Wilson, Carol Evans Sports Director at Reggie Wilson TV. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for listening today. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports
1: Minnesota. Be blessed. Spread love this week.